0: Welcome to FHOP Church, Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church.
1: Good to see your faces. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Church of Ephesus, I'll say back in uh, last winter, going into uh, going into before we all got sent home in the spring because of the pandemic, we were actually going through the entire book of Ephesians, chapter by chapter. We're, we're not necessarily picking that up, but we're going to be in Ephesians a lot today. So if you'll turn with me to Ephesians, specifically chapter 6. And in verse 12, there's this very interesting statement. It says this, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, I want my nephews to listen close to this. Uh We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. There, there's an American author, Dale Carnegie, and he took a trip to Yellowstone one time. And while he was there, he saw a bear eating some trash. I and mean, has he been, been to Yellowstone? He's seen some bears. We went to Yellowstone a year and a half ago. We saw some bears and we saw some idiots who thought it'd be a good idea to see how close they could get to the bear. And then we saw rubber bullets. Yeah, yeah. And then... Like, we did see a park ranger like loading up like his rubber bullets in this canister. And all Eddie and I wanted to do was just stay. And just like, what are you guys gonna do? He's like, we're gonna scare off this bear. You guys need to keep moving. Oh, it was like the worst. We got about, I don't know, quarter mile down the road and we heard, pop, pop. And I was like, oh, we missed it. Um, But he saw a bear sitting at a, a picnic area, eating some trash. And about the same time, a skunk came wandering up and starting stealing some of his trash. Mm-hmm. And the bear did nothing because he knew it wasn't worth the cost of starting the fight. A few weeks ago, I, I preached on victory. I pre- preached on victory out of 1 Samuel 17, out of Daniel 3. and 1 Samuel 17, if you remember, that's the story of David and Goliath, right? Where David's father sends him to the battle um, where, where the Israelites are facing off against the Philistines. And so he gives him a bunch of supplies. And David leaves his sheep in the care of someone else. Because he's a good steward of what he has, right? And he goes off towards the battle with all the stuff his dad told him to deliver. And when he gets there, Goliath comes out and does what he'd been doing for the last 40 days. He begins to, to defy Israel. And, and even in the explanation of people like, David's like, what's going on here? People are like, Well, he's defying us. He's defying Israel. And and David realizes there's something more than that going on. He's not just that he's defying Israel, is that he's defying God. Like he's defying the God of the armies of Israel. He's defying the Lord. And so David, he starts asking questions like, hey, what are we going to do about this guy who defies our God? And in 1 Samuel 17, I, actually, let's turn there. It's up towards the front. In First Samuel chapter 17 Let's go to verse Oh, let's try 28. It says now Eliab, now We've already met him once. We've already met Eliab once. We met him in the previous chapter. We met him in the previous chapter when Samuel came to anoint someone king in Jesse's house. That's David's dad. And so he comes, Samuel comes to anoint someone king, and here's Eliab. And when Samuel sees him, he's like, that's the guy. That's going to be king. And, and what's the Lord tell Samuel? Nope. Nope. He says this, he says, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at what? The heart, right? God looks at the heart. What we're going to find out is, is in that moment, we didn't see what was in this older brother's heart. But right here in this passage, a chapter later, we're going to get to see that. And what this older brother has to stand there and witness is his youngest brother being anointed king instead of him. And so it says, now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when David spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? He said, why are you here? Why are you in this place? Why are you even close to me? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You know, David, you have a job, and this isn't it. And he says this, I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see a battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? Now, I I want us to stop for a second, because here's David and he sees this this giant defying his God and he's he's bent on doing something about it and his older brother starts questioning him starts questioning his integrity, starts questioning his motives, he starts attacking his character he tells them that he is evil, he actually says you are evil so now we're really seeing what's in this older brother's heart. And what David does is he just simply asks a couple quick questions back. What have I done now? Was it not but a word? What I notice here is he doesn't really engage with the attacks that are coming at him from the older brother. Now this is the man after God's own heart. He's being attacked. He's being questioned. His character's being called into question. And he doesn't engage and this is the part if you if you have a a pen i want you to underline this in your bible in verse 30 it says this and he turned away from him and he turned away from him thank you think about that he turned away from him you know why because he realized this isn't the battle that i've been called to fight today My battle is down there in the valley with that giant. Can you imagine if he decided to stand there and defend himself against his older brother? And yet, that's what some of us do sometimes. Right? We have the thing that God has called us to do, the giant that we're called to slay, but instead, when other people are attacking us for walking out the calling which God has called us to do, we stand there and defend ourselves and have the argument about it rather than just being obedient what God has told us to do. If we fast forward, and it's not really part of my sermon today, we'll see Saul, he says, okay, I'll let you do what God has called you to do, but I want you to do it my way. Here's some armor. Do it Do it the way I think you need to do it. And David's like, I, I can't do this. This isn't the way God has called me to do it. And so we can get so caught up in other people's opinions that we fail to walk out the thing that God has called us to do. And F-Hop, can I tell you, this morning, God has called us to do some pretty amazing things. God has called you as individuals to do some pretty amazing things. And some of you have been wasting your time fighting battles that you weren't called to fight. And David turned away from him. And David turned away from him. A couple weeks ago when we were talking about victory and the point was that victory isn't in the outcome as we saw in first peter five victory comes in the moment that you have faith in god right that's what it says this is the victory that's overcome the world our faith so it isn't that i've killed the giant it's that i have faith in my god to kill the giant like the lord is with me that's when victory happens and we talked also about shadrach meshach and abednego right the three Hebrew children, who wouldn't bow to the image that they were told about to. He said, when the music plays, we want you to bow down. When the music plays, bow down. And some snitches were like, hey, these Jewish folks aren't bowing down. Right? And so the king comes at them, and he comes at them hard. Listen, I made a law, and you're disobeying the law. And I talked about how they had victory before they ever got thrown in. It wasn't about that because they said, God's going to save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing because because they had victory before the outcome. But what I love is this. If you back up to Daniel 3.16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. And then they just simply say, God will save us. But if he doesn't, we're not bowing." Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. God has called you to something. You have no need to answer those who question the calling of God on your life. Walk it out. Just be obedient to the thing that God has spoken to you to do. Exodus 14, 14 is a a scripture a lot of us quote when we're being knuckleheads and we know it. And and if you're wondering what it is, it's the part part where God, he rescues the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt, right? He brings them out. And they're like, yay, we're free. And the Egyptians are like, leave. Leave. Like, all the plagues were coming. Remember the ten plagues? They came, and they came, and they came, and finally the firstborn died, and, and, and the Egyptians were like, we don't, we don't, just leave. Here's our gold, here's our treasure. We don't want you here anymore. Just leave. And as they leave, and they get to the sea, the scripture says that they were kind of trapped there at the sea. Mountains on either side, high places on one side, mountains on the other. A sea in front of them, and the Egyptians had changed their mind. And they sent out soldiers, 600 chariots, to come track them down. No, we want you back. And the people of God freak out. Now, I know that's not us. We never freak out when problems happen. We're completely people of faith, like, oh, God's got this for sure. Right? They freak out. And Moses says this in the middle of it. He says, what is going on? He says, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be silent. He's saying, God's going to fight for you. Shut up. And then the, the next verse, it says, the Lord says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Why do you cry to me? tell the people of israel to go forward like go the direction i've told you to go go you don't need to sit here and whine about it you don't need to cry about it. you don't need to debate about it you need to you don't need to go back and try to get a treaty with the egyptians just go you don't even need to pray about it anymore right he's like that's why it's god saying why are you crying out to me i've already given you the instruction the time to pray is over go Walk in obedience. Sometimes it's time to stop praying and start walking in obedience. Uh, some of you guys didn't like that. Because sometimes people ask you to do things like, I'm going to pray about it. Okay. How many of you have ever told someone you pray about it, what you that was your nice way of saying no? I'll pray about it. I, you know, all across the room, people are smirking. I'll have to pray about that. We've all done it christianese for no except for when you really do need to pray about it now you're like darn it pastor drew now when i really do have to pray about it they're gonna go yo oh, you're just saying no i just shifted the culture of this church when people say i'm gonna pray about it they're gonna actually have to start praying about it in all three of these stories david shadrach meshach and abednego these children of israel I think where we we get so much trouble is we try to fight our own battles. We try to take control. I, I know Drew has. The greatest frustration is when we try to take the reins of what God is trying to do in our lives. A lot of the times our issue is with the people in our lives it's with the older brother it's with the king it's with like our employer it's with our spouse it's with our co cowork- like our kids it's these struggles that we have and we feel like sometimes we feel like we have to control the situation we have to control the way they think about us And so we sit there having this fruitless arguments with our older brother when God is saying, That's, this is not the battle you're supposed to be fighting. It's down there. There's something about releasing that control, releasing that control of other people's opinions of us. If, if we truly get a glimpse that heaven really is real, I'm thankful, like, I hesitate sharing this. I don't know if I shared it here or not or with someone else. A few weeks ago, I, I snuck off into a men's conference by myself because I didn't, I just wanted to go do something where people didn't know me or know, you know, I just wanted to be a nobody. And I snuck off to this men's conference and walked in and they begin to worship, and it was really nice just to begin to worship and not think, is anybody watching me because I'm the pastor? Which I know you guys aren't, but you think that. Sometimes you guys think that, right? Um, I mean, we are watching you, Jamie. You're in front of everybody. But, <laughs> but it was so nice just, just worshiping with no pressure, and it, it kind of made me think like i'm not a fake like like when no one knows me i'll still worship thank you god that i'm not a fake um, um but as i was standing there there was this moment where i was standing there and my eyes were closed i've never had this happen before but i could see like i could see heaven And I've heard people say stuff like that, and I'm thinking, you're just kind of a fruitcake. Um. I didn't want to leave that moment, because it was like heaven had never been more real to me than that moment right there. It was like I was standing in heaven until the point where I couldn't stand anymore. And when we get these glimpses of reality that heaven really is real, then all this meaningless stuff that goes on around us really does become meaningless at some point. Like, like, if eternity is real, then some of this little stuff that we're doing, it really doesn't matter. It, it fades away in the light of eternity. I want to read to you Matthew chapter 18. Because sometimes we get so caught up and hung up on the people around us. In Matthew 18, verse 21, it says this. It says, then Peter came up to Jesus and he said said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And I want to pause here because Jesus had actually just taught them about how to handle someone who sins against you. He said, if someone sins against you, go to them privately and try to gain them back as a brother. And he said, "If they don't listen, take two or three with you, and try to work it out again." And then he said, "If they still won't listen, bring it before the church." Some of you are like, "Oh man, we believe that here. Yeah, we do." So when you get two or three come to you ever, it's time to get right. Um, and he said, "Then if they still won't repent of their sin, he says." Then you're done with them. I think Peter in that moment, he was starting to think, well, wait a minute. There's an option for being done with people? To cast them out? So he says, How many times do I have to forgive Jesus? Seven times? And depending on your translation, some say, Jesus says, I do not say to you seven times, but some say, Seventy-seven times. Some say seventy times seven. Either way, Jesus wasn't trying to give them a real number. He was using a little thing we call sarcasm. No, no, no. It's seventy-seven times. My dad said one time he heard a sermon. He was about been saved about two years. He Heard a sermon of this pastor saying, when you when you uh, when you get saved, you only get four hundred and ninety sins, and then God's done with you. And my dad was like, that would have been nice to know. I don't even know what number I'm on. I would have been keeping, keeping track all this time. Tally marks in your Bible. There's a sin. And Jesus tells the story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. My Bible tells me that a talent was like 20 years wages. One talent, 20 years wages. He owed him 10,000. This is millions and millions and millions. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, and all that he had and payment to be made. It was his right so the servant fell on his knees imploring him have patience with me and i will pay you everything and out of pity for him the master of the servant released him and forgave him his debt but when that same servant went out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and guys this is like significantly less Sickness is just a few thousand dollars like it's still a lot but it's i mean you could work it off and seizing him he began to choke him saying pay what you owe so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him have patience with with me i will pay you it's the same thing that he already did right and he refused when he had put him And he put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart you know what's you know what's insane to me is that you can actually experience the full forgiveness and grace of God, be completely forgiven. You can come down to the altar and pray, and God can forgive you of your sins. You can have that free moment, and you can be in complete bondage still. Turns out, forgiveness isn't effective if it just happens to you. It's only effective if it happens through you. forgiveness isn't fair I've heard so many people of the years say I can't forgive I just can't forgive and when I look at the word like it never says that forgiveness is a can and can't thing it's a will and won't thing and what we really mean is I hurt too much to forgive right now and we want when we say god i'm going to forgive this person when we, when we want to forgive this older brother or, or whoever it is in our life that has something that they're coming at us with what we want is what we really what we want freedom from the pain of it all we want freedom from the pain and we want that to be the first step in forgiveness ladies and gentlemen freedom from the pain is the last step of forgiveness You'll never get there unless you first choose to forgive. Because think about it in terms of a debt. If someone owes you money and you decide, you know what? You no longer owe me. That costs you something. That can be painful. And not just at the moment you forgive it. What happens two or three months later when... The bill comes up, and you could really use that money now. The money that you forgave. So now it's painful later because you could have used that in that moment. And so the pain and the hurt, we carry it with us. And then we see, like, when Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. In the Lord's prayer, he, we pray. He says, he teaches him to pray. That as we ask for forgiveness, we're also what? Forgiving others. And this is the only part of the prayer that he goes on to elaborate on. He goes on to say, because if you don't forgive, you also won't be forgiven. Which is what we just saw in this parable. And as I was preparing this today, I was like, God, that seems like a really kind of like, like murky, ugly way to get into a sermon like all right y'all listen up you got to forgive or god's going to send you to hell you have to forgive and the reality is is that forgiveness is a commandment of god a commandment you get to choose to walk in or not i was asking my dad about it. i was like what, what about people who just walk in on forgiveness he said you know the thing that i notice from, from those that I think about that walk in unforgiveness, is that consistently across the border, these are people who refuse to live their life according to the word. They, they, we would say it, we, they refuse to bend to the weight of the word. And not just in this area, but other areas. And so, like, what a great sermon. Everyone's forgiven, you're going to hell. There's a greater reality than that. Like, that's truth. But there's a greater reality than that. Um, Go to Ephesians again. Ephesians 4 verse 26 it says be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil verse 28 actually I'm going to skip to 29 it says let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths in, in that we already saw in all those Old Testament verses with David Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Moses Don't, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for what building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear Did you know there's a greater reality than just than just, I have to forgive or God won't forgive me. There's this reality of, and what the guy in that parable failed to grab hold of, the guy that owed the millions, was that he could now be a steward of God's grace. That's the way Peter puts it a couple times in other places in scripture is that we are stewards of God's grace. I have received the grace of God. So now I can be a steward to do what? Give out the grace of God. H- have we received the grace of God this morning? Bear with me for just a second. as I, I know this is the sermon I-, I preached last week about our condition and ourselves, but a few verses for us this morning. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, and... And that's the wage I've earned. Psalm 145, it says, the Lord preserves those who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Matthew 25, verse 46, it says that there will be some that go into eternal punishment. Ezekiel 18:20 says that the soul who sin, or the soul who sins, will die. James 115 tells us that desire. When it's conceived, give birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Romans 5.12 tells us that, that death comes through sin, and death is spread to all men because all have sinned. In Second Corinthians 5.10, it says that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil and on and, and on and on our condition in and of ourselves as sinners who deserve death and as we talked about last week is that jesus is so good is that he went to the cross to pay the debt of our sin he died the death that we deserve and now we can have newness of life and i don't think it's it's any um mistake at all of course it's not it's it's the god of the universe as he hangs on that cross what does he say he says father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing father forgive them if there was ever a human and all of creation that deserved to be unforgiving it was jesus hanging on a cross and yet he declares father forgive them and he is our example this morning and so we look here at this ephesians in verse 31 it says let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and i, and I love this next part ephesians four thirty-two. it says be kind to one another say that say be kind say it again say be kind tenderhearted say tenderhearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you i think it's weird if you look in in i think it's john chapter 20 jesus shows up uh to the guys scared in the room and and thomas isn't there because i don't know what he's doing something else and uh he shows up and he kind of he shows him who he is and then he says this just kind of real quick before he pieces out he says you know anything you guys forgive I forgive anything you don't forgive I won't forgive and then he just I'm out which is weird like he gives them the authority to forgive and not forgive and so I mean if you want to take that in a wrong way you're like okay God has given me the authority of forgiveness for other people around me because I'm like Christ So now I'm going to choose which of you are forgiven and unforgiven. Here we go. Um, How many know that's so messed up? Right? That is so messed up. Yeah, guess what? If you truly have the heart of Christ, you will forgive the things that Christ forgives. And the reason some of you are, are finding that that you're locked up in your your abide time when you sit with the Lord, you're like, I just can't seem to connect with God, it's because you're walking in unforgiveness. When the scripture actually says if you have anything against a brother and you come in, like, like, you getting right with that brother is more important than you coming and offering your worship to God. Like there's something about walking in forgiveness not just so that we can be forgiven that's selfish I have to forgive so I can be that's selfish no there's a greater reality says I'm a steward of his grace and as I walk in forgiveness to other people I can bring life to them this the same Jesus that extends forgiveness and grace I can do that too well what if they haven't earned it exactly right Exactly, they haven't earned it. What if they, what if they keep sinning against me? Well, I mean, at, one, at some point, maybe there's some practical decisions you need to make. You always have to say that in a forgiveness sermon. but you continue to forgive, you walk in forgiveness because you're a steward of the grace of God. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. If you said yes to Jesus, if you've made Him Lord of your life, then you can walk in newness of life. And it's not, man, I can't forgive them. It's no, I can, and not only I can get to a place where maybe my forgiveness is what brings them to Christ. It, it's in the Word. In un, unbelieving relationships is who knows whether you you walking in grace will save the other person in that unbelieving relationship because you're walking you're a steward of grace not just somebody who's well I guess I got to forgive there there's a there's kind of this Lie that's been going around the church in America, that that we were pretty all right folks before we came to Christ, and uh, God was just heartsick for us, and He reached out to us in His grace. Now, let me tell you, God is heartsick for you. He's willing that none should perish, but it wasn't because you were all right friends we can make no mistake we were vile sinners we completely deserved the wrath of god and yet while we were still sinners christ died for us this is the message of the gospel and as i look across this room if that's something you've said yes to if you've surrendered to that calling, you made jesus the lord of your life then you get to do that for other people and who knows whether there's someone in your life that you'll extend grace and forgiveness to that they will see god because you walked out faithfulness and grace and forgiveness please stand with me God put this on my heart and I was like God this is a weird sermon considering what I've kind of been preaching on the last few weeks Jesus I just I just want you to do like a a crazy Holy Ghost thing where we all just kind of shout and scream and do all the fun stuff and the Lord was pretty clear to me in that we we will be locked up in our hearts if we are not people who walk in forgiveness and grace God if he does move it would only be because of his mercy if we're an unforgiving people How often should we forgive? Seven times? No, no, no. Way more than that. Because that's what He's done for us. And so when we realize, I've been forgiven of so much, that I don't really experience the forgiveness until it happens through me. It doesn't happen to you until it happens through you. And so who do you need to forgive who have you been arguing with who's that older brother in your life where you feel like you have to defend yourself rather than just being who God has called you to be I can't tell you how many times in the last year where I've wanted to just stand up and defend myself. Most of the time, I kept my mouth shut. Not batting a thousand. Um, when we run our mouths like that, we walk away and we can just feel dirty and soiled. Because instead of trusting God, we trusted our own logic and our own defense. It's time to stop defending who you are and start being proud of who God has made you to be. Be proud of your identity in Christ. Be proud of your identity in Christ. Know who you are. That requires you, you have to know who you are. And you know who I am? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And if you really get a hold of that, I'm forgiven. It creates a humility in you Then how how could I ever hold anything against anyone again? Now just watch. Somebody this week's going to totally try Pastor Drew on this. Oh, Lord, help me. You guys are gracious people. You'll walk with me through it, Right. I'm forgiven. So guess what? You're forgiven. I want us to be free. I want us to be free. And so if you're here today and you're saying, "I'm actually already good with everybody in my life right now." Praise God for that. But just like me, let's give it a week. Let's give it a week. Uh, A minister told me a story of a man who owed him a couple thousand dollars. And he said it just became really awkward because then when he'd see this man, the man would just stay far away, right? He said it wasn't completely the man's fault. It was my fault because he owed me. So I decided, you no longer owe me. I forgive you that debt. You know what? That healed the relationship. Now, if that's a thing in the natural, it's definitely a thing in the supernatural. You no longer owe me. But Pastor Drew, what if that means pain later down the road? It might be. But we walk in forgiveness even if it's painful. Ladies and gentlemen, walking in pure forgiveness killed Jesus. And we are called to be imitators of Christ. Husbands, the scripture specifically calls you to be like Christ and give yourself. This is a difficult thing, to die to yourself. But we die, when we die to ourself, we find true life. Amen? When we die to ourself, we find true life. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your love and your mercy and your grace. God, across this room today, there's different situations and scenarios and all sorts of things going on god where where unforgiveness seeks to live where god where we feel like we have to defend ourselves god i pray that we would be a people who so fully walk in the confidence of the forgiveness that you've given us god that freely as we've received father god that we would freely give we thank you for those who will come to know you, a Savior and Lord. Lord, because of our faithfulness and walking and forgiveness. I say just forgive them just make the choice and I'd like to say once you choose it then that's it but you might have to wake up tomorrow and choose it again you might have to wake up the day after that and choose it again but you're a steward of the grace of God and I know what I know about Jesus Jesus sets people free Jesus sets people free. He doesn't keep people captive. He sets them free. So so set some people free today. Let's be a people who sets some people free. Ephesians 432. Dearly beloved, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. I, I know this is simple this morning. I know it is. But but this, this is how we break forth into a revival. It, it really is true that God has been meeting different people in our congregation during their quiet times, during their abide times. It really is true. This week, I want you to grab hold of that. Like, Jesus, if something's happening during quiet times, I want it to happen to me, too. Not not so that we can be like, hey, I was one of them. I, I got a good quiet time, you know, buzz or whatever. Woo, Jesus. But God wants to transform us so we can change the lives of people around us. And so... We're gonna be people who walk in obedience to the calling of God. Like David, there's a time to turn away from that and not listen to those other voices. God is good, God is good. Look look at somebody, tell them that you're, gl- you're glad that they're here today. If there's someone you need to forgive, maybe somebody, there's a phone call you need to make today. What if they don't receive the forgiveness I get? That's not, that's not on you. You be faithful what God's called you to do. And then you just walk it out. Amen? Amen. Be blessed. I'm going to dismiss you.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.